Hi, I'm Pastor Gabe with the Reborn Church, and welcome to our podcast. I pray today as you listen, the message would inspire you, encourage you, and strengthen you, and give you a craving for righteousness, to pursue holiness with God-glorifying ambitions. Today's lesson, the sermon is entitled, The Difficult Spouse. The Difficult Spouse. If you're, if you're there, if you're there, First Peter chapter 3, as we always do in giving reverence to God's word, please stand to your feet. If you are physically able, please stand to your feet for the reading of God's word here this morning. As we delve into First Peter chapter 3, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. If you're there, say amen, amen. which means you are... Telling the truth, this is truth, you are there, and you are not on your phones playing any games. Verse 3, verse, verse 1 says, Likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are not, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Amen. You may now be seated. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the power of your scripture. You being the divine author, we thank you, Lord, as we get to hear the words of Peter being expressed to the women who are facing immense scrutiny and trouble during this particular time because of their saving faith in Jesus. Lord, we know that there's things here that are cultural, but the principle remains the same. We thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Speak, Lord, to us today and let it apply it. Let us apply this to our lives as we leave this place today, continuing to grow in our spiritual walk with you. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, imagine a world where a woman wasn't valued by how she looked on the outside. Imagine a world where a woman wasn't really valued by what she wore on the outside. Imagine a world where women weren't really valued by how much education they had. But because of the fall of man in Genesis 3, this is what happens is that men become, became the rule over the woman. And because of the fall of man, sin entered into the world. And there's so many problems that arose, that arose at the time because of man's behavior towards women. Now, in this particular letter, when we're reading here, this is about a woman of God, a woman of God dealing with the husband who wasn't saved, dealing with someone 
who was not of the faith, dealing with someone who sometimes would terrorize her because of her faith in Jesus. This is, the, this is a word for the women of God who were wanting to be in the presence of God, wanting to read the Bible, wanting to read the word, but the husband would be a terror to her, would try to stop her from reading it. And a lot of people around the region didn't really, didn't really respect women. And this is the history of women in the church, but also the history of women in general, whether you're saved or unsaved. In the Roman culture there, women were very, very mistreated. In the Greek culture, they were very mistreated as well. And then also in Jewish culture, they were merely a thing to them. And they could divorce them anytime they wanted to. They could get rid of a wife for any particular reason that they decided they could put her away. Uh, if women did anything, they committed any sin against her husband, she could be stoned to death. There's many things that were coming against women uh, according to the law. And so when you read this passage and we read it here, the first word there is what? The very first word is what? Likewise. Likewise. Because what we were reading about before were five groups of people. You had older men, you had younger men, you had older women, you had younger women, and then you also had slaves, which we could, be, we could use the same principle for the employer-employee relationship. So here it says, likewise, meaning we're speaking to the women now here today. Likewise, let's follow along in verse 1. It says this, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, to be subject means to be submissive. Um, in this particular text here, it's asking the wife to be submissive to the unbelieving, difficult spouse. Can anybody here remember the moment of the time when you are I'm pretty, you're thankful that your husband's saved, but are there any women here that were in the faith, but their husband was not of the faith? There's so many stories that I know of, and me being in particular was the same thing, is that you were not of the faith, but you were married to someone who was of the faith. And you can remember those moments and those times and those things that, that you would do because your wife was in the faith and she was totally trusting in God and you yourselves sometimes made it difficult. Or for some of the men here, when wives here culturally, it's different. But some of the men here, not in this particular church, you don't get me wrong, but I mean just in, in American culture, some of the men who were not believers could not wait for their wives to go to church because that gave them two hours of, of reprieve. They knew what time they left and they knew what time they were coming back. And so they had this little window of time that they could do whatever they wanted to do during that particular time. You go be with God. I'm going to be here with the remote control. I'm going to be here doing something that's totally dishonoring, but you go ahead and praise God. But here at this particular, in this particular time, it was hard for the women. It was very hard for the women because they were culturally mistreated culturally mistreated by Jewish people, Greek people, and Roman people. But women are very, very important in our lives. Women are very, very important. They're vital to the body of Christ. And they were vital to the body of Christ then, and they're very vital to the body of Christ now. And women who struggle with an unbelieving husband always trust in God, and they have so many stories to tell. The nights of prayer, the nights they cried for their husband, the nights that they sometimes would, and many of you, I don't know if you've done this, but sometimes when they're home by themselves, or you know they're going to be home by themselves, or you go to bed at night, what you used to do is turn on the radio, and you put some Christian music playing throughout the house, because if you're not going to speak to them about it, let the music minister to them while they're in the house. Now, it's funny because then 
I used to remember then there was a TV channel that was always on when I was sleeping at night. But I wouldn't even tell anybody to go to that TV station anymore. Just go to YouTube. You can put on something great on YouTube and then leave that on. Praise God. It says here, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. This is a reference to that particular husband. It wasn't to all men to be submissive to. They were to be submissive to that husband of theirs. Be submissive to your husband. This is difficult in today's culture. A lot of women don't really like that word submissive. Being submissive. It's hard to be submissive to your husband who doesn't believe in God. It's hard to be submissive to your husband who doesn't run the house the way he should. It's hard to be submissive for a, to, to a man who you know is probably doing you wrong. It's hard to be submissive. But here the text is clearly, clearly telling the women of this culture to be submissive to their husbands. Here's the reason why. I'm sure a lot of the women at this time wanted their husbands to come to saving faith in Christ. Did any women here who did not have a, 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 a husband who's a believer want him to come to saving faith? I'm pretty sure you prayed for him. And you, you, you wanted God to minister to him. You prayed for ministers to come and to minister to, to your husband who was unsaved. So it says here, be subject to your own husbands. This doesn't mean to be sub submissive to your neighbor's husband or another husband. You, you are submissive to your own husband. So if they try to tell you something, you ain't got to listen to them because... He is not your husband. You're submissive to your own husband. Now watch this. Continuing on in the text. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. This is one time in the Bible where you will read where actually Peter's telling you to withhold your words a little bit. Uh, maybe you shouldn't preach to him. Maybe you shouldn't, do, you, you, know, you shouldn't do the preaching to your husband. Maybe you should hold back on your words and let, your, let him see your conduct because he's watching you. This is one time in the Bible where it's told that maybe the wife should not uh, or someone should not use words but let their conduct do the preaching. Now, we, we understand that's very important, your conduct, because everyone watches a Christian's conduct. They're always watching to see how you hold yourself. You young people who are here today, when you go to school and you are in school and you call yourself a Christian, they are, your, your other friends are watching to see if you really are living up to being called a Christian. So they're watching you. So here in this instance, Paul is, uh, Peter's telling the wife, don't, don't preach to him. Pull back. Don't preach to him. And here's why. Here's why. Now, this is to give everybody a green uh, a, a past, you know, to, to not preach the gospel. We know that we are called to minister the gospel. Men were called to share the gospel. But here, we're talking about something that's going on in the house. This is what's happening in their house. He's saying, so that even if some do not obey the word, so we know that the women at this time were preaching to their husbands in the house. Preaching to them in the house. That means the husbands are sitting there in the house and they're, I don't know what they've been doing at this particular time. I don't know, maybe sharpening a knife or something. I don't know. But there was no TV, right? There wasn't this, at this time here, there was no TV. We found a whole lot of literature to read either. But whatever they were doing, the wives were telling them about Jesus. And they didn't want to hear it. So they were tuning out their wives. They were tuning them out. They weren't listening to what they had to say. They weren't paying attention to them. So he's saying here, don't preach to them. You're not going to win them that way. Don't preach to your husbands and certainly don't nag to your husbands because they're not listening. They've tuned you out. 
And so here, that's the lesson here, is to let them, let them see your conduct that they're going to obey the word. Now, that's the mistake that they made here. This is the mistake that some of the women had, had, had made, that they were nagging their husbands, preaching the word. They loved to hear the word of God. They were listening to the word of God. And then they would go share the word of God with their husbands who didn't believe, that maybe they would believe, but they had tuned them out. They just considered it nagging. You're nagging me. You're telling me about church. You're telling me about Jesus. I really don't want to hear it. So Peter's saying, let's do this. Let's win them by your conduct, how you behave. That's the second part of the point of the sermon. The first one was Mike giving you of the historical view of women and the role of women in the church, but also the role of women at this time and the mistreatment that they receive. And because of the fall of man, and he was barbaric at the time, treating women uh, like nothing. And women have value. Women have value. Number two says, in the points of the sermon says, having attractive behavior. For the ladies here, they have attractive behavior. It goes from this text here. So even if some do not obey the word, it says that they may be won without a what? A word, but by your conduct of their wives. So ladies, the men are watching you. They're watching you. They're taking a look at you. They're looking at you, how you hold yourself. How your behavior is, how your conduct is. What are you exactly learning in church? Um, are you bringing it home? Are you applying these principles to your life at home for those who are watching or those who are, how are you handling your home life at home with your unbelieving husband? I think everybody here can relate to somebody who has a, a sister in the Lord who has an unbelieving husband. Someone who doesn't believe. Women who come to church, but their husbands don't come to church. What I love about this church, and they didn't, it wasn't always like that here. We had a lot of women coming to church here, and they're married women, but they didn't ever bring their husbands because the husbands couldn't wait for them to get to church. Like I said, they wanted that two-hour reprieve from them. Because we're nagging them, nagging them. But then all of a sudden, you start seeing the husbands come. You start seeing the husbands come in the church with them. You start seeing them come in, and, and they're eager to, to hear the word of God because they've seen the conduct of their wives. That spoke volumes then, and it speaks volumes today. When a woman can hold her tongue, when a woman cannot become someone who's nagging, nagging, and nagging the husband to come to saving faith and just want to let God do the work, but you want to do the work. And so here, your behavior becomes attractive. Your behavior becomes attractive. It says that they may be one. Let's go back to the text. We're still in verse one. It says they may be what? One without a word by the conduct of their wives. They may be won by your conduct. Means they may gain saving faith. They may be acquiring saving faith by your conduct. Let's go to verse 2. It says, when they what? They see your respectful and pure conduct. They see that you're respectful. They see your pure conduct. How you behave yourself. And how you conduct yourself along someone who doesn't believe. And someone who's really put you out, someone who's really not listening to what you have to say, but they're still watching you. They're watching how you hold yourselves. The husband's sitting there and he's still looking at his wife who's, who has saving faith in Jesus. He, doesn't, he himself doesn't believe, but yet he's still watching you. He's looking how you hold yourself. And because of your behavior and your conduct, that becomes attractive to him. There's something about you. He just starts looking at you, how you hold yourself. And there's something about you that he wants to come to know Jesus that you serve because of your conduct and your behavior. And he sees it because the Bible says he's watching. It says they see 
Meaning the husband is looking. When you think he isn't looking, I guarantee you, he's looking at you. He's watching you. He's watching to see how you hold yourself. He's watching to see how you conduct yourself in times of adversity, in times of joy, in times of, of despair. He's still watching your every move. He's watching and wants to know who is this Jesus that's in your life that has really changed your conduct. You are absolutely different internally, not so much externally, but internally, the woman of God has changed. The woman of God has changed. Then it says this in verse 3. Do not let your adorning, the exter your adorning be external. Don't let your adorning be external. Now, a lot of people will take this, a different, different teachers can take this and, and, and misconstrue it as if saying your, outs your outside appearance um, is, is sort of legalistic. You, you shouldn't do certain things. Like if you can't do something with your hair, you can't wear gold jewelry. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here for you ladies here and you young ladies that are here, do not let your adorning be external. Meaning, if your beauty depends on Michael Kors, then you got a problem. If your beauty depends on, I don't know, Forever 21, then ladies, you got a problem. If your beauty depends on L'Oreal, then ladies, you got a problem. If your beauty depends on the color of your lipstick, then you have a problem. I'm talking about the Christian woman now. The Christian woman. Not that you can't wear L'Oreal. Not that you can't buy the Michael Kors and you can't go to whatever girls shopping at the malls and Arrowhead, whatever. That you can't go and buy those things. But if your beauty depends on it, it depends on it, then there is a problem internally. Then you don't know who you are in Christ. Then you don't know your value in the body of Christ. Really, you don't know your value. If, you, if that depends on your beauty, then there is a problem. So he's saying, don't let your adorning be external on the outside. It says this, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry. So right away, if you read that, you're like, well, what women can't be braiding their hair. And women can't be wearing gold jewelry. Go to the word of God. It says that right here. It's not what he's saying. And you read it in its context. Don't let your adorning be external by the braiding of the hair. Now, at that particular time in culture, the women that braided their hair then, they wanted to make sure they go to sleep in a certain way because if, if it messed up, God forbid, if it messed up their braiding hair, they have to do it all over again. So they had to sleep a certain way because they didn't want to make, they want to make sure that the hair looked good just as it did on Sunday. It better look the same on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because their beauty depended on the braiding of their hair. Ladies, if you get your hair done and, and, and you have it done a certain way, I wonder how you go to sleep. I wonder how you go to sleep. Do you sleep on your side or you don't care? You just lay down and go to sleep. I ain't worried about it because my husband knows how beautiful I am. I don't have to have my hair a certain way because he knows how beautiful I am on the inside. But here he's saying, don't let your braiding, don't let your braiding be external. Don't let your adorning be external. The braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry. Because then... Wearing gold rings and gold bracelets and gold jewelry was very important to the lady because it made them look attractive. Wearing gold and braiding your hair doesn't make you attractive. What makes you attractive, ladies, is the Jesus that's inside of you, the Word of God that grows you, makes you beautiful on the inside. That's what makes you beautiful is the inner beauty. It's the inner beauty. 
That's why I opened up and I said, but we live in a world where for a woman to be considered beautiful, everyone, everyone, she, everyone has to love her. Everyone looks at it and says, that is one beautiful woman, but then it puts down the other one who you think, you may not think that's not that beautiful. And so that's the way our culture is. That's why when you go to social media, it really depends on how many likes you get to think how beautiful you really are. And because of the, the infusion of the internet and these social media web websites, a lot of the women have to depend on how many likes they get to feel more beautiful. And that's really not the way it should be. Uh, social media, if you're depending on your confidence to be boosted up because of the likes you get, then you're in a beauty, there's a problem there. Then there's a problem there. And I'm talking about wives because there are wives who are on social media who want a bunch of likes to feel better about themselves because they want the adornment to be external, not so much internal. And so they're looking for this affirmation. What Peter here is selling, telling you, he's saying this very thing in verse three, let's read it again. Do not let your adorning be external. In other words, don't let clothes substitute who you really are. Who are you, ladies, in Christ? Who are you in the body of Christ? It shouldn't go against who you are in your character. Now, the reason why this is very important is because I just mentioned earlier that the husbands are watching their wives. They're watching their wives. But if the wife comes home and she says, you know what? Yeah, I'm in the word of God. I'm from the, you know, I, I come to the so-and-so church. I'm in the word. I'm solid in the word. But my husband's not paying any attention to me. Maybe if I just sex it up a little bit and I start wearing sexy clothes, he's going to pay more attention to me. I'll, I'll cook and clean around the house with uh, provocative outwear that maybe he'll pay attention. What Peter is saying here, that's not going to work either because he's going to look at you wearing that provocative outfit while you're cooking and cleaning and he's got one thing on his mind and it's not Jesus. So he's saying... He's saying, don't, don't, don't let that take you out of character. You know who you are in Christ. Don't come out of character so you can try to win your husbands with adorning apparel that will attract his lust of the flesh opposed to gaining Christ in his heart. Amen. Don't let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Three things there. Braiding of the hair, putting on of gold jewelry, and of course, the clothes that you wear. There's nothing wrong with being fashionable. Nothing wrong with that, ladies. You wanna go braid your hair, braid your hair. You wanna go buy more gold jewelry, buy more gold jewelry. Want more clothes, buy more clothes. But if, like I said, if, it, if that depends on who you are and you need that to be beautiful, then you have a problem. Right. And you have a problem. Your beauty should be inward. Don't worry about the outward, it should be inward. Why? Let's read verse four. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person of the heart. The power of the Holy Spirit is what makes you beautiful. Amen. Why? Because you are following after the ways of God. You are trusting God. You are learning the character of God. You understand Christology. You understand who God is. And you understand the character of God and what pleases God. And that carries you. That makes you beautiful on the inside. Because when you know more of the word inside, it shows, it shows publicly when everybody can see Amen that you have clothed yourselves with the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And people can see the change in your life. And how can they see the change in your life? Because you talk differently. You act differently. You walk differently. You're confident in yourself. And, and, you, and you, you're not so 
so much, it's not so much profanity coming out of your mouth. You have become changed. You are showing the inner beauty inside. The inner beauty inside. The power of the Holy Spirit. Continuing, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Husbands who are here today and men of God who are here today and you are single, you, you want that very thing. You want a woman of God who has understands she has imperishable beauty, beauty that will never be ripped away, beauty that's beauty on the inside because of the power of the Holy Spirit Amen. and the beauty that you possess which is not imperishable beauty. It's not fake beauty. This is real. But she has a gentle and quiet spirit. Gentle and quiet spirit. Oh yes, there's women that exist like that. Who have a gentle and quiet spirit. You want to win that husband. Today you're watching online. You want to win your husband. You being a woman of God, have a gentle and quiet spirit. The attractive behavior is what will bring him to Christ. Because he comes to church, he sits there, and hopefully the church he goes to, they preach the gospel there. So that he can respond to the gospel. Everybody's responsible for listening and hearing and responding to the gospel message. That's why the gospel needs to be preached in churches. So she has this imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. She's emulating Jesus, who was meek and lowly. Who is meek and lowly. Why is this important? Let's continue in the text. Verse 4 again. It says she has a gentle and quiet spirit. Which in God's sight is what? Very precious. Very precious. To have a gentle and quiet spirit. A gentle and quiet spirit. For this is the holy women. Who hoped in God. Verse 5. Used to adorn themselves. By submitting to their own Husbands, That's a hard word. I know it's a hard text to cover, but it's what won the man to Christ is that she understood. She adorned herself with internal beauty. She adorned herself with the righteousness of Christ. She adorned herself with the power of the Holy Spirit. She adorned herself with knowing scripture, meditating on scripture, praying and reading the word of God and praying for her children and praying over her husband. This is how she adorned herself. And it brought results. It brought results. She submitted. She submitted. But women have a hard time with that word being submitted to a husband who isn't of the faith. Well, when, when are there moments when a woman of God should not submit to her husband? That's the third part of the point of the sermon. When the wife should not submit to the difficult spouse. There are instances. I just explained to you why you should submit to the difficult spouse. There's reasons that you should and how you should hold yourselves. But when is it not a time to submit to the husband. It's not a time to submit to the husband. It's not a time to submit to the husband when he begins to try to get you to engage in sinful acts. Then it's not okay to submit to the husband. Sometimes the husband, when in his, in his perverse mind, when you're in when you're when you're in Christ and he isn't, he starts thinking perversely, starts thinking things and wants, wanting you to engage and do some things that are ungodly. That's when you do not submit. And you take a stand for the righteousness of God. That you do not submit to that. Because there's a lot of men that do that. That will try to get you to submit to something ungodly. Something perverse. But you being the women of God. 
The holy women of God who adorn themselves with the righteousness of Christ on the inside should not partake of that. Then you stand on the word of God and you do not submit to that. You do not submit to that. The other thing is when a husband is abusive. When a husband is abusive, you should then not submit to that. A woman of God involved in a marriage. Now, let's, let's make sure we understand the point here. This is not a woman of God that we're writing to that went and married an unbeliever. This is a woman of God that got saved during her marriage. Do you understand? She got saved during her marriage. And because she came to saving faith, he didn't. But the character and the conduct and her behavior is going to really be magnified so that maybe he sees it and he comes to saving faith. But if he's abusive, he starts verbally abusing her. And because it start, it's, he's verbally abusing her and breaking her down and making her feel terrible on the inside, constantly cussing and breaking them down or breaking her down, then there's times not to be submissive to that. You have to step up as a woman of God. You got to go get help at that time. You got to go talk to somebody in the church, go to the pastor, go to somebody in leadership, go talk to them, pray with him, you know, pray for him and, and go to them. Is that a reason to be divorced? It's not really a reason to be divorced, to be verbally abusive. It's not, it doesn't call for a dissolution of marriage, but it calls for you to go get him help. Now, if he starts laying hands on a woman, then you have people who are put in place called the law enforcement that you got to call. And then you call the law enforcement because he's being abusive you and you get out of that and you leave if you're being abused. This is not calling you to stay in there and be abusive to something I submitted to someone who's abusing you in your relationship. You call the authorities and you get out and you wait and pray and see if he will change because of you calling the law enforcement or him spending 90 days in jail. Let's see if that wakes him up. And so you do this. This is what you are required to do. This is what you're required to do. These are the reasons that you do not submit. And these are the you know, very, very good reasons for you not to submit to someone who's being abusive, calling you to do something you know you shouldn't do. In the text, we're going to read. Ladies, here's your example. Let's go to verse 6. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, why did he choose Sarah who obeyed Abraham, calling him what? Lord. Not that... Not that you are going to go and call your husband Lord today. Don't expect you to do that. Here it's, she's acknowledging him as her, as him being her head. He was her head. But Sarah is an unusual example. We know that Sarah really was a tough older lady. She was a tough older lady. Especially when Abraham told her that you were going to be with child. What did she do? She laughed in his face. She laughed at him. Later on, She's a pretty strong woman. After she realized, I'm getting older, I'm obviously not going to have a baby. So I'm going to give you Hagar. Take Hagar and go have a baby with her. Maybe that's the child that God had promised you would come from Hagar. Of course, that was a mistake. But Abraham certainly didn't say, no, 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 Sarah, I'm going to stay committed. I'm not going to do that. What did he do? He said, okay, where's Hagar? Right? She's a tough lady because what did she do after that? She found out that they had a thing, they had a baby. She has a child. She then kicks out the baby mama and sends her packing. So she's, a, she's an example for the women here, an example. A, a, a difficult uh, choice, but yet she's an example because of her submissive behavior towards her husband, who is Abraham, calling him Lord. She was very submitted to her husband, very submitted. 
Even though she had some rough edges, she was pretty tough. She was still submissive to Abraham. So submissive that when Abraham spoke to God, God said, you're going to leave the Earl Chaldees and you're going to wander a land, but I don't know where you're going. So he had to go tell that to his wife. Could you imagine that? Are your husband going to your wife and saying, honey, we're going to leave. I don't know where we're going, but we're going to pack up. We're just going to leave. And we're just going to travel. I don't know where we're going to end up. She trusted Abraham and went and says this. And you are her children, meaning the women of God. You are her offspring. If you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. That is frightening. This is where the scripture, it's very, very, you can harmonize this one here. If God be for you, who can be against you? It's really the only time that you can use that as sort of salvific, meaning it's concerning your salvation. It's not a time to say, when if God be for you, who could be against you when you use it against your boss in a place of work? That doesn't make any sense. Your boss is mistreating you. Your boss is doing something wrong. And you're at work. He's saying, you know, if God be for me, who could be against me? That doesn't make any sense because in the context it's saying here, if we can harmonize this one with 1 Peter 3 and 6, it says this, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Fear the Lord against all other opposition. You fear God. You reverence God. Why? Because you have eternal life and it can't be taken away from you. Wives and, and women of God were murdered and they were killed and they were beaten. They were, they were, they were stoned. But here Peter's saying you have eternal life. No matter what kind of terror faces you, you can trust God. You can trust God. So the women here were being frightened and they were being terrorized sometimes by their husbands. But you can trust God. They trusted God. Women, you can trust God. Amen. Finally, let's go to the application part of the sermon paper. The sermon paper there. We're going to cover these three points of application. Number one says there are right and wrong ways for a wife to win the unbelieving spouse to Christ. You should know what that is. Moral beauty over outward beauty is key. It's very key. That doesn't mean you, you shouldn't try to make yourself look beautiful. You absolutely should. But the inner beauty is far more important. Because you can be beautiful on the outside and be real ugly on the inside. There's a lot of beautiful people in the world. A lot of beautiful people. A lot of them are models, actresses. And they're beautiful because we look at them and say, that is a beautiful woman. But she can probably be very ugly on the inside. Why not you be both? Beautiful on the outside, but even more beautiful on the inside. Moral beauty over outward beauty is very key. Point number two. Remember, attractive behavior involves submission, purity, and a gentle, quiet spirit. For the women of God here that we had challenged you to go and mentor young women, we challenge you to do this. Hook up with a young woman of God here. Take her out to lunch and just speak to her life. Show her what it's like in, in your life and how you are submitted to your husband. Or, or show them some of the things that they need to know in life that they'll encounter, that you've encountered, that you can help them with. And so you can carry these things and you can tell them about these things. But at the same time, understand that it's very, very important for you to be submissive and to deal with and how to handle that, that word submissive in submissiveness in this culture. Because it's very hard with the feminine movement. Yeah. 
And that movement is very powerful that women, you, they elevate you above the man, but according to the Bible and what we teach, you have to know your biblical role. Every man understands his biblical role. There's a biblical role for the woman. There's a biblical role for the woman. Again, remember, attractive behavior involves submission, purity, and a gentle, quiet spirit. A gentle and quiet spirit. So the women here can go and share this information with a sister who's in a situation like this, who has an unbelieving husband, who doesn't know how to deal with it, is ready to call it quits. Not that he's, not that he's doing anything um, to harm the marriage. He just doesn't believe, and he makes it difficult. Well, you have advice. You have the word here that you can share with that person and spend time with that person to show them how they can be won to Christ by the character, by your behavior, and, of course, your conduct. Then, of course, three, it says this. Wives should not submit when being abused. Point blank. Wives should not submit when being abused or asked to engage in ungodly behavior, such as covering up sin or being pressured to leave the faith. Those are the instances when a woman should not submit. There are very, very good reasons for you to submit, for his soul is at stake. The very soul of this man that you love is at stake. And there's very good reasons for a woman of God to remain submissive to her unbelieving, difficult spouse because his soul is at stake. But then there's those moments where you can't submit. You have to just give it over to God and trust God with your unbelieving husband. Those are the times when you should not submit. And it's very clear here today when those times are. Let's read the bottom part of that text again. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you are her children, women of God, if you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. Frightening. If God before you, if God before you, amen. That's all you need to know. Let us pray here this morning.